morning, everybody. Um, we uh, we actually we we have uh, for those of you that's obviously part of us. We've we've actually had a, quite a jam-packed August. You know, we've had a privilege to have quite a number of gifts uh, coming to us. You know, and uh, whenever gifts comes to us, uh, as in the gifts that. It says in Ephesians 4.11, given to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, you know. And, and the person is many times a gift. There's a, there's a thing if an evangelist is in your midst. And, and everybody, everybody is excited to, everybody's excited to save souls. Uh, for those of you that were here when Vanner was here, right? It's, uh, uh, afterwards, we walk away and everyone's like, yeah, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited to get people in my home. I'm so excited to reach and bring in the harvest. You know, when a prophet is in our midst, we all, all of us feel we can hear God. It's, it's, the, it's uh, one of this nature. Like Andrew wasn't very apostolic while he was with us. He was a bit more soppy. And he's, uh, <clears throat> but usually when an apostle is in our midst, we feel like we can do this. <laughs> we can conquer. Um, but I, uh, um, in our time when Rodney was here, um, for those of you that know him and was with him, he, he, he dropped something with me afterwards that I just want to drop with you guys as well. And he said, um, apart from all the stuff that he said over the congregation, he said to me uh, a couple of things. He said, watch out for a spirit of religion, which I would uh, just say now know a little bit more about, spirit of religion. And then he also said, watch out for addictions. Yeah, so pornography and even, uh, and even substances and all those type of things. And I, I <laughs> substance abuse. So. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so, um, what he would say with it is that it can be many times quite subtle and would not overtly um, appear as evil, but there's some sort of addictions that grip people and so on. So, I, I throw it out to you guys. Um, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the thing that all of us so many times think, if nobody knows, then I'm free. <laughs> as long as I can get away, I'm free. Now that's the biggest lie, of course, right? That's the, that's the very trick that the enemy wants us to believe. And yet, that is so often where we go. As long as it doesn't appear that I do it, I am fine. But that's not how we're going to break it, right? The, the way that we're going to break it is if we would come into the light. It was in, in that morning, Nock heard a word, and she said uh, that she saw mold in a room. and. Uh, Mold is a, a tricky thing. Mold is, we've got mold in our bathroom. It's an eternal battle. Uh, we have them too, you know. It's a lot. And it's a discouraging thing because you clean it once. Look, our bathroom, no one else comes there except me and Naku and the kids. So we clean it once every... When people stay there, we clean it. <laughs> But it's so discouraging. You just clean it and then very, very, very short after it, it's just back again. 
to mold, mold the creeps upon us. But, but the thing what mold hates <laughs> is light. As soon as the sun comes on it, you know, there's just no way for mold. mold. Mold flourishes in darkness, dampness, that type of thing. Right? And so it's such a beautiful picture. You know, how do we, how do we get rid of those molds in our lives? Let's open up. You know, let's come into the light. I think we, we as, a, as a church, have had many times have a good culture on it. I think, I think the Lord is challenging to, to be even more, to be transparent in every way, to be open up in every way, so that no mold, mold just cannot flourish where there's light. It's just impossible. And if we fight to be a people of the light, none of these things will be able to creep upon us and be on us. And we'll be free in, in that sense, right? All right. So, for this morning, um, what I, um, I want to speak about or share about is um, there's, a, there's a worship scene, worship scene in Revelation 4, which is quite uh, interesting. There's four different, I want to say species, creatures that is worshiping. So, I'm not going to read that whole portion. You guys just have to believe me that it's there, all right? So we, we are taken into the throne room of God, and God is in His throne, flashes of lightning going out of His throne. It cannot get more glorious than right in His throne room. And then we find four different species of creatures that is there. The first one is a creature which is, uh, 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 it's got four heads. The creature that's there, four heads, the head of an ox, the head uh, head of a lion, eagle, and a man. It's got wings all over, and then it's covered with eyes. Right? None, no one like that here this morning. And we are very relieved. Not even a visitor. Right? Um, and so, there's four of those. Then, then you have a second, second group of people. It's called the 24 Elders. These 24 elders obviously represent authority. You made one of the eldership team in heaven. You, you, you've got some authority, right? And uh, they've got crowns on their heads, right? And then there's a, a third group of people, which group of people, I don't know, people is not the right word, creatures. It says myriads, like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. That's in the scene. And then there's a fourth group of people. Yeah, that's, well, it's again not people, creatures. It's fourth group. It's every, everything, every creature on heaven and on earth. We've, we've basically covered <laughs> the unseen and the seen world right there. Everything on the heavens and earth then covers the earth. And so what happens is the first scene, the first moment is something like this. As God is on his throne with flashes of lightning coming up, that four living creatures with the different, with different faces, they start worshiping and declaring God. And as they're worshiping and declaring God, declaring the wonders of God, the elders comes, and the 24 elders both throw down their crowns. Worthy. Worthy are you. Then as this happened, there's a little bit of a, a disruption in heaven that, that I'm not going to go into, but enter the Lamb. Enter Jesus coming into that setting, the lamb that was slain for the foundation of the earth. It says it's a, it's a slain lamb that comes in. Again, I don't know how that looks like. 
een slain lamb is talking in. A geslachte lamb. Is, right? Comes into the room. And, the, and that happens. All the angels, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels, with one voice shouts, Worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. <sighs> then after that scene, it says, In every creature on heaven and earth, Shouts and declares one holy, holy, the Lord God Almighty. That's a scene, that's a scene in heaven. And I thought it will be interesting in the different ways how we can observe a scene like that. And say, for instance, John was an observer, but say, for instance, one of us is an observer of that event, of that scene. And we observe. And there's two ways to observe it. You see, the thing about worship, and I'm just saying this, worship actually is impossible to observe worship. I can watch tennis, but I can't watch worship. Worship is not made to be watched. You, you can't get it by watching it. Right? But as an observer of this event, I'm observing this. What's intriguing me for that moment, there's two ways to observe this. The thing that's intriguing me is, well, that four living creatures. Four faces, four creatures. Sixteen faces. With a lot of eyes and a lot of wings. Find unity in the way that they worship. Wow. Then that elders throw down their crowns. And I'm... I'm observing these elders and I'm wondering, oh God, help me to throw down my crown. Doing it quite as fashion. <laughs> Maybe I must fall more on my knees. I practice it regularly. Then I observe the angels, the beauty of their song. Observe how they sing, holy, holy. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Observe what they're doing. And I'm trying for a long time to imitate what they're doing. Then obviously the millions and millions of creatures. You know what I've done wrong right now? I haven't observed God. I observe the God of serving God. A little bit of rhythm there. Right, here we go. There's two things that I can 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 consider at this moment. <laughs> Stewart, just sit down. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm busy in the throne room, and you're walking. And then I'm talking. <laughs> so much, so much of the way that we can observe, we can detach God from the situation and only observe how people respond on how people worship God. And after a while, after a while. <laughs> 
I can do this. I've done this for 20 years, always. In the midst of kids, I do it. All right. I've, uh, um, we can observe the, 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 the response of people, and after a while, find ourselves so hard trying to imitate that. And in some ways, we create for us a different God, the God that I will call the God of serving God, right? Versus God. Now, if I would go to the elder, I get a short moment of him. I can drag him out of that scene, which would be impossible. But if I could drag him out of that scene for a little while and say, listen, man, I just, you need to show me or train me. How do you, how do you throw that ground? He would go like, ridiculous, crazy. Never trained to throw that crown. It's not like my work to try and throw that, that crown. It's simply a response when I saw him. Right? And so for every other thing that is there, what we do is, we not only find lots of our time trying to imitate the art of serving God, instead of looking to God. What we then, after all, even think more, if we can perfect that, God will appear. It no longer becomes a response, but becomes a means to draw God. I... Uh, um, I don't know if any of you have ever been standing in front of a stove and touched the plate. Some of us. Yes, yes. I've got a hand there. All right. Like, uh, I don't know, it gets 180 degrees or something like that. So you touch that, that stove. Right? Ow! Ma imagine I observe that. I don't know. This is like an interesting way. When I, can you tell me, how, how did you do it? How do you, ow! <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know, I just touched it and it happens. Oh. But, but after a while, you see, we start moving away from the plate. And our obsession is like, how can we, ow! And, and after a while, there's like a whole bunch of people that has been trained to go, ow! Our Christians have perfected this. Ow! You know what is even more crazy? We think if we continue to do this, ow, the plate will get hot. We can stand long enough before that plate go, ow! The plate is going to get hot. You see, the difference between a relationship of God and religion, we start turning away from God, start becoming obsessed on the God of serving God, and how to perfect that art. And in some way, if we think we perfect that art, God will appear. And we miss, and we lose all our confidence in the hotness of this place. Can I ask you guys? How many of you have more faith? What's your faith the most? Help me. 
Do you have faith that a hot plate of 180 degrees with a hand on it will cause a response? Do you have faith in that? Or do you have faith that if a hand can do this, ow, ow, long enough the plate will get hot? such confidence. I had such confidence when Christ saved One touch of that plate. Ah! Changed me. But oh, how foolish I've become. And in some ways try to perfect and in some ways try to get him by doing, ow, ow, thinking that I'll get the plate hot. I want to know, and I wonder, you know, how much of our action, how much of the worship that we do is towards God or the God of worshiping God, the God of serving God. I'm a little bit philosophical, but I think you guys get me, right? I want to quickly, I want us to close our eyes, right? Emily, yeah, Emily gave that word, I, I, I cried. Yeah. So here's the thing. I want you to turn your affections to God. Turn your heart to Jesus. I know this type of request is not the first time that you hear that. I mean, you hear that in any of our meetings regularly. Right? That's something that... I want to ask, Whenever the call is to put your affections on God, what is your experience? You feel it is impossible? Do you feel weary? Do you feel drained? The other day I was in a meeting and the, the, the quest was ask. Put turn your affections to God. You know what happened to me? Immediately I felt tired. Not tired, but like burden. Oh, this mountain is just too high for me to climb. And I felt the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, because you turned your eyes to the wrong God. Because if you had turned your eyes to me, your experience would have been liberty and freedom. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. But you have replaced me with the God of serving me instead of just looking into me again. You've become fixated on how to throw that crown. You've become fixated on how to act correctly. That's the thing that you pursue. Thinking that that will draw me. I want to ask you, 
that are what is the effect? What is the experience when you turn your eyes? You, you, if uh, um, you guys have eternity to continue doing that, that's 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 portion. I felt like when I say amen now, some of you were a little bit disappointed. Okay. So a uh, uh, short momentary affliction will cause an eternal glory. So just a little bit listening to me. <laughs> so um, you know, one of one of the things that. Um, Every religion has its core in. Every religion, you know that? Every religion is exactly the same. Every religion is exactly the same. Every religion finds this. Every religion asks this question. There's a gap between me and God. How can I bridge it? That's the question of every, every religion out there. What must I do to bridge the gap between me and God? That's the question. And every religion is fairly unique. Well, they... There's a lot of overlap, but there's kind of a lot of, a lot of rules in and things that you need to keep. And somehow, to the extent that you keep that, you can bridge that gap. None of them really worship God. They worship man. They worship the God of serving God. They're worshiping how man can attain or find a way to be that good that they can eradicate distance. In the center is a wrong God. In the center is what they can do to do it. Now, let me tell you, that's not excluding Christianity. Most part of Christianity, freaking charismatic Christianity, is continually turning to a God of serving God. And how we can come together, how we can do that, so that at some stage, how can I do the ah so that I can get that plate off? And I hear it. You know where I hear it? I hear it in our prayers. I hear it in our prayers. Because somehow in the center of our understanding is what we must do versus what He has already done. And in the core of what we stand around is continuously this thing. What must I do? I've, uh, uh, you guys will see with the worship. We're trying, to make, we're trying to make a deliberate shift in the way that we worship. We sat together and we say, we're not going to worship my response anymore. Look, Jesus, I throw down my crown. Look, Jesus, I do this. Look, Jesus, I do this. No, 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 no. We're not worshiping our responses anymore. We don't worshiping our acts anymore. We're worshiping God. You're holy. You're beautiful. You're the one that saves. You're the one. Now let me tell you, if you put your hand on a hot stove and you go, wow, this is hot. You're not touching the stove, right? Or you numb, yeah. Or you numb. So, so let it clear. I'm not, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a response. There should be a response. Touching the plate. 
not a performance to somehow get the plate hot. Guys, that's what I'm trying to say. Right? So, two of my, my favorite books in the Bible, uh, the one is in Ephesians, or, or one is Ephesians, and the other is the book of Romans. So I'll just say this about the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, this is how man prayer, prays. This is how man walks. Starts it off by this. Blessed be the God and Father. Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly place. Boom. He's done it all. He doesn't start off with Father, I'm, 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 I, I promise you, you know I didn't do it well yesterday, but I'm telling you today, Jesus, today I'm, today I'm going to do it. He doesn't do that. It's not his starting point. He is not the starting point. God is the starting point. The work of Christ is the starting point. Blessed be the God and Father that has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. There's nothing more that he can give. This is so amazing. Can you imagine that? How many of you ask God regular, God, please help me to love more. Please help me to, please give me more patience. Please. God goes like, I, 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 sorry, I can't. No, please, I need more patience. I gave you everything that I have. I gave you the fullness of Christ, which is the fullness of heaven. I gave you everything. No, but maybe if I, Hold down my crown. More, he's going to give it to me. I don't throw crowns together. I throw crowns out of response. Oh. Oh. Just change our Christianity, Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Has chose us. Of course he will chose me. <laughs> you know, because um, I read my Bible. Pastor, <laughs> he chose me before the foundation of the earth, before you ever lived, before you ever tried, before you did everything, while you were dead in your sin, he chose you. Nothing because of anything that I've done to be holy and blameless before him in his sight. Predestined considered me and said, I want you to be a son in the house. My son. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. You know what I do regularly? I bang on the door of God and say, God, open up. I want a place in this house. I'm a good boy. You'll see. Just give me a chance. I pray regularly. I go to church regularly. Just give me a space in this house. Please. Orphan boy. Crying to have a place. No, nothing of what you've ever done. I've predestined you to find your place to be a son in the house. In him, I've got redemption and the forgiveness of sin. You know how crazy that is? You know how crazy that is? God is in me. Christ is in me. It's so difficult for me to escape forgiveness of sin. If I go here, I'm forgiven. If I go here, I'm forgiven. No matter where I go, as long as he stays in me, I'm forgiven. What can I do not to be forgiven? I'm sorry, guys. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven. 
know it's unfair because some of you are thinking, that is not so cool because I deserve it more than the guy next door. Now we're all equal. Yeah, we're all equal. In need of his grace. And him have got an inheritance. Got a place, got a good works that he has set apart for me. Not because I was qualified. Bible school didn't do it for me. His choice did it. And so he goes on and he goes on and then he ends this he ends he ends this chapter by saying this now for this reason I bow my knee and I pray and I ask God grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God open my eyes to see you. I've got full confidence that touching this plate changes everything. I've got full confidence. That when that elder, when that angels, when every living creature in heaven and earth open their eyes and see him, there's a response. There's a response. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. I don't care who you are. You see him, you change. Open the eyes of my heart, God. I will know what is the inheritance that is you have given me. Because I sometimes, you know, still see myself as an orphan. Somehow trying to carve out for me a place in this house. You've granted me an inheritance simply on your death. Nothing that I've done. Ah, that's how inheritance works. And then he asked the third prayer. He says, God, and then please grant me. Please grant me to see what is the power that's working in me. Oh yeah, this power is so powerful. It's more powerful than creation power. This power is so powerful that it took the Jesus in the depths of hell, the lowest that anything or any creature could go, and he took him and he places him in the highest place that any being could be on the right hand of the Father. And he says, Father, that power that raised Christ from the depths of hell to the right hand of the Father is to work in me. Show me. Show me. So that I won't rely on a ow! To get that plate hot. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. And then in chapter 4. Notice guys. Chapter 4. Not chapter 1. Chapter 4 verse 1. After three chapters. Three chapters. Not giving one instruction. Not saying anything. Simply declaring what he has done. He says now. Now. Now I ask you. Walk worthy of who you are. You know what we do? <laughs> we take chapter 4 verse 1 and we put it in chapter 1 verse 1 and say, walk worthy so that God can bless you. Walk worthy so that God can come. Walk worthy so that you can play, have a place in His house. Walk worthy. No? 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 That's religion. Romans, Romans 12, verse 1. Romans has 16 chapters, by the way. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Now, therefore, therefore, in view of his mercy, in view of his mercy, for the previous 11 chapters, from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 11, I think, verse 31, 
He says, he says to them, you guys won't know how lost you were, but you were lost. But there were an answer, and that answer is in Jesus Christ. There is no other answer than in Jesus Christ. Now that you are in Jesus Christ, you are free from condemnation. You are free from the power of sin. You are free from. And he gives it for 11 chapters, he tells that. And then, for the first time, he gives a little instruction. And he says, now in chapter 12, verse 1, now in view of his mercy, a view. I give myself as a living sacrifice for him. We put that verse as Romans 1 verse 1. Starting point of Christianity. You give yourself as a living sacrifice to God and God will appear to you. You give yourself as a living sacrifice to God and you will become a son of God. You give yourself as a living sacrifice and you will have a space in his house. No. In view of. In view of, we respect. We don't know how subtle it is. But we've got a Christianity that is obsessed with our effort. That's what we think about, that's what we pray about, that's what we cry about. We are still obsessed with what we must do. And we make very little of what He has done. Oh, if only we can be like that four living creatures. Oh, if only we can be like those elders. If only we can be like those angels. I'm, I want to ask you, you know, we, we, we spoke about it. It's interesting, you know, with um, addictions. I'll be very, very surprised, holy people of God, if there's anyone here in this room that has not struggled with addiction. I'll be very surprised. I think every person in this room in some sort of way have struggled with addiction. I'm just thinking, how are we going to get out of those addictions? Let, let me ask you. You go and have an interview with that elders. You're like, so how did you get free from your addictions? Look, it's very difficult to think of my addictions in view of God. See, the view on not sinning doesn't set anybody free. The view of not sinning doesn't set anybody free. The view of God sets people free. It's the view of God that transforms us. It's the view of God that makes us holy. So, in... Uh, um, in, uh, in the book of Galatians, go there now. I'll actually have a verse that we can all read together. I'm just thinking which one. I'm gonna... So, um, you know, Paul makes a big fast and he says, you've been, you've been free from, from the law. If you, if you, guys, you guys heard Paul says that you're free from the law. Some of you guys have heard me a little bit speak on this. But you are free from the law. What does Paul mean by you are free from the law? Does Paul say, you guys, you are free from the law. I just want to say you guys are free from the law. So if you want to murder, you can now. New covenant, guys, free from the law, you can murder. If you new covenant, and steal adultery. I thought we're free from the lawyer. Is that, is that true? Is that what Paul means? It's like, uh, what does Paul mean? What does Paul mean by you are free from the law? This is the problem with the law. The very origin of the law 
was in this origin. When the law was given to God's people, God says, I've got a bunch of rules. If you keep them, I'll bless you. If you don't, I'll curse you. Do you want it? Yes. <laughs> yes. We can do this. We'll keep the 10, you bless us, and the 600 others. We, you, we keep them, you bless us. We don't, but we will, we will do it. We will do it. We will do it. They were cursed people. Because their blessing was fully dependent on what they do. That is what it means to be under the law. You are blessed to the extent that you perform. But we are not under the law. Which is the opposite from under the law? Ah! Oh, you know what grace means? The Greek word is charis. You know what charis means? Charisma. Charismatic. Where the word comes. You know what charis means? Come on. Gift. Uh, I thought Bion is like the, the, the new Greek theologian here. <laughs> Charis means gift. Gift. The day you earn or work for a gift, that very day, it's no longer a gift. It's impossible to work for a gift. It is impossible to work for a gift. In his very definition, it, it, it doesn't become a gift anymore. It is impossible to work for grace. Impossible. It is not grace anymore. It means like, then it's just earning, right? Now, I want to um, uh, read you guys a verse in Galatians 3, verse 21. It says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? It is not, on, on many reasons, which I'm not going to explain now, but he says, certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness indeed would be by the law. So, what Paul is saying is, Paul is saying, if the law, or keeping the law, or keeping a law, will impart life, then righteousness could have come by the law. What Paul is saying is, it is impossible to get any impartation of life through keeping the law. Keep that thought with you guys, please, all right? Listen to what I'm saying. It is impossible. It is impossible. It is impossible to get that stove hot by doing this. Ow. Right? It is impossible. You, you still don't believe me. You believe it in front of the stove, but you don't believe it in front of God. That's so crazy. You're going to get that stove hot. You're going you're gonna, to... Ah. Right. So, listen to me. It is impossible to get any impartation of life any impartation of life. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate life to you guys. Got my bottle of water. That's my classic uh, life illustration. All right. Life of God. Anybody have tasted the life of God? Stewie? You've tasted it a lot. We've tasted it a lot, the life of God. This is life. This is life to know Him. John 17:3. Hmm. The life of God is nice. I want the life of God. Hmm. Righteousness, peace, and joy right there. <laughs> but how to attain the life of God is a different story. It's a difficult thing. Paul says, it's impossible, it's impossible to have life imparted for me by doing the law. This means, if you keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, now, now let, let me just... Firstly, before we bash the Ten Commandments here, 
The Ten Commandments, by the way, is the only portion in the Bible that's got full authorship by God. Every, every other part of the Bible is written by man. There's only one portion that God came with his finger on a rock and wrote it out. There's no mistake with the law, guys. Authorship, God. The rest of it, Moses, Paul, you know, Samuel, those guys, here, boom, God came down and he wrote the law. This is pretty perfect. Not pretty, it's perfect. It's perfect. God wrote the law, it's perfect. And then God says, even though this thing is perfect by you obeying it, you will never find life. Ow! Uh, that plate is not going to get hot. Now, guys, if the law couldn't do it, and by you keeping it can never impart life, why do you think the little rules and the little laws that you set up for yourself, if I have this much discipline, if I read this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, God will bless me. If the Ten Commandments couldn't do it, why do you think your extended version of the law, your great initiative, the rules and regulations that you've put together will suddenly turn the arm of God? If the Ten Commandments couldn't do it, let me tell you, yours won't do it either. And I know you, because I know me. I know we every now and then puts up a bunch of little rules and set of rules for us that which we think if only I can keep them, the plate is going to get hot. But it won't. So how does this work? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Colossians 1 verse 12. So this is, I see many, this is one of my, I think this might be my favorite. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, some translation says, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Here's the problem, guys. Uh, Let's make it very unattainable. Aiden. There, Aiden, Aiden is the peak epitome. She's the, she's the peak of the mountain of the life. She is the very mountain. The peak place. There is God, all right? And I'm on a journey to find that. I want that. I want that, guys. So I read my Bible. And I pray. And I worship. Because nothing cancels distance between me and God like worship. I go low on my tongue, throw down the crown. I'm coming closer. I'm coming closer. But somehow I just never attain. I'm always coming short. That's how most of your Christian experience. Because you try and qualify yourself through doing this Christian activities. The Ten Commandments going to do it. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. 
in heavenly places, has given me the fullness of God, has made me a son in his house, and has given me an inheritance. Do I read the Bible? Yes. But not as a means to qualify myself before God, as a means to partake of his life. Do I pray? Yes, I do. But never as a means to qualify myself before God. Simply as a way. Oh. <laughs> Marianne, you like partaking of his inheritance. I'm a partaker. He's a qualifier. Listen to me. I'm a partaker. He's a qualifier. Our problem is you've tried to become the qualifier of something that he has already done. I'm going to ask us to just close our eyes. I'm going to trust that just one more moment we're going to observe him. Look on. Thank you, Father, that right now every person that is in Christ Jesus has all distance canceled between you and them. All, all distance canceled. Thank you, Father, that the emphasis is not anymore on what we must do. But the emphasis first is what do you have done. Thank you that you are for us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of your gracious choice and your gracious work of your Son. We are because of you, not because of what we've done. So, Father, I pray that even now, every false God, every false God, that has parade itself as you, but is actually a religious spirit, will be exposed. Every spirit that has made your people weary, and in the same way, never allow them to fully walk holy, but always bound. I pray, Father, that that thing will be now exposed in the true view of Jesus. We've got one answer for a response, the living and I pray, Father, grant us now the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of that we might know you and see. I'm going to ask that as I asked earlier, let's just turn our affections to him. Let's turn our hearts to him. Come to me. Come to me. All who are heavy laden, burdened. My yoke is easy. My burdens lie. Father, I pray that as I turn our eyes to you, that you will remove every burden and every yoke. Father, that your life will come and set free in view of Jesus.
And let's just sing together in response to this word. Open the eyes of our Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. We want to see you. So open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts, we want to see you, we want to see you, to see you high lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy to see you highly lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 we want to see you. Let's sing holy. Holy, 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 we want to see open the eyes open the eyes of our hearts lord open the eyes of our hearts we want to see you we want to see you to see you high lifted up Shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 we want to see you. As a, a second Corinthians three, verse fourteen. Is, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the law or the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Oh, because only through Christ it is taken away. And I want to call the law the God of serving God. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. 
But verse 16 is the liberating one. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, this is our key, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes the Lord from the Lord who is spirit. And so, Lord, I pray, you know, it, it, it needs repentance. You know, I know repentance is associated with, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but there is fixing our eyes on other than Jesus blinds us. And there is freedom, there is liberty as one, as one turns to the Lord. And Lord, I just pray that every one of us that in some ways have had our eyes fixed on a different God, which in its center asks what we must do. But right now we will turn our eyes, turn our hearts to you, Jesus. This is repentance. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Pray, Father, as one turns to the Lord, freedom will come. Pray, Father, for unveiled faces that will behold. And as they behold, they will become. That's our key, beholding you, beholding you, beholding you.